0: Welcome to episode 21 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein.
1: And my name is Gabe Sachs, and we are officially 21, and we are of legal age to buy many more cameras. That's how I see it. This podcast can drink. That's finally. It was stuff sneaking into those camera stores with fake IDs.
0: Yep. That's right. Lots to cover today. Oh my gosh. I'm very so much. excited. I want to start by wishing Gabe a happy birthday. He had a oh, birthday. Oh, you're so this kind. Week. Thank you. Thank and you. And I got to say, there was an outpouring on Facebook and on Instagram. So much love for you, Gabe, and you deserve it.
1: I was very thankful. It was a lot of fun to hear from everyone.
0: Did you do anything photographic for your birthday?
1: You know, I got to tell you, I received a flash unit, a <gasps> monolight. Okay, I don't know what uh, that and, is. <laughs> you have to, I don't care about Flash. <laughs> anyway, basically, I got sort of a studio setup, which I'm now using in the backyard for portraits. And I love it because I just i I don't know enough about it, but I am loving the experimenting that I am doing on, with portraits and Flash. So friends are coming over, and I'm doing portraits, and I'm very excited about it.
0: All right. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as we get deeper into the podcast. I'm eager to hear about that setup. I've never done anything like that. Mm-hmm. But to kick off today, we have a bulging mailbag. Amazing. We couldn't
1: carry it up the steps.
0: Yeah. We encouraged people to write to us, and they did. Okay, so I'm going to start with a few excerpts from the Instagram. And guys, you know my style. I'm going to speed through this. I'm not going to read every syllable of your deathless prose. Just know that's what's going to happen. Here (laughs) we go. Andy Ryan said, Jeff, I cannot agree enough about processing color film, but I'll take it a step farther and say processing 35 millimeter film in general makes me want to vomit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really severe. <laughs> yeah, he is just over it. He said there's too many shots to go through. Medium format is fine. And unless I want a lot of hassle, I have to develop my own four x five. But 35 millimeter is such a pain. I'm sick of it. Andy, I understand that. thanks for checking in. Here's an interesting thing. You know, I was really hoping that uh, that our second go-around with Mrs. Vivian Meyer would put things to rest. <laughs> right, that would be the and end. And I feel like it actually kind of did. And I want to read this because I love when people agree with me. <laughs> you do? How strange. Okay, I know, it's so unlike me. Anthony Rue wrote to say... For the record, I agree with you 100% about Vivian Meyer. She was not a person without agency in her time. Johnny, I believe he means Johnny Sisson from Central Camera, tells stories about her being a regular at Central Camera. I got to hear those stories. I mean, and she literally strolled by the Art Institute on a regular basis most of her adult life. If she wanted her work seen, she had plenty of ways to facilitate it. As for her post-discovery career, I am increasingly uncomfortable with the idea of the art dealer guy cherry-picking the works that most resemble known male photographers to maximize profitability or as a proto-Cindy Sherman. She was literally a domestic. What if her work was really focused on an interior life? Or on the mundane, on the overlooked. An art dealer guy couldn't see it, just as he would have overlooked her on the street. What if she secretly read Walter Benjamin and was constructing her own arcades project and the thousands of dull shots of the street were the point? Anthony, kabam. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's interrogating the question of intentionality, which I think is what we were trying to talk about. Thank you, Anthony, for getting it. Okay. Again, not to diminish Ms. Meyer's work, but just to raise some fascinating questions. Douglas Ingram. You know, we asked for some recommendations from our gang about point-and-shoots, and and we got a couple of good ones. Douglas Ingram said the Pentax 90WR. What? No idea. Do you know this camera? Not at all. He said great lens, super easy to use, 3590 zoom, good looking, and it's weather sealed, so you can take it out in the rain without worrying. And very affordable now because it's not a contacts, an icon, Nikon, etc. <laughs> Averaging thirty to ninety bucks on eBay. Oh, wow! Not anymore, Douglas. Right, Thanks a thank lot. Thank you. Robert vol said, "Thoroughly enjoyed your take on point and shoot cameras in the latest episode. I personally love the Konica C35 point and shoots. Now I have used the C35 OG. He says I have both the AF and EFP. Absolutely love them." They're great budget cameras that take easy-to-find AA batteries and you get a Hexanon lens attached. How
1: about that?
0: Wow. Did you know these I, cameras? I've never
1: tried one. I really have not tried that
0: camera. Great tip, Robert. Mm-hmm. This is what we love. That was from the Instagram mailbag. Now a few slightly longer bits of prose from the of at gmail.com mailbag. Billy Sanford said, I thought I'd weigh in on a couple of things you mentioned just to add to the conversation. Color processing. I have been in this spot for a while. I get one good role and that keeps me going, but end up spending more time than I would like on 10 others. I think for me, it's the cost and convenience and to a smaller degree being hesitant to admit defeat. Oh my God, (laughs) that's so me. Vivian Meyer, haven't seen the documentary, but I'm aware the controversies exist, her original intentions, what she would think about how things turned out, whether her photography is actually good versus people just being intrigued because of the story. I don't really feel qualified to comment on most of that. I can only say, personally, I enjoy looking at her photographs, and that would not have been possible without them being out there in the world. This is what it ultimately comes down to, right? Does the work affect you? And if it does, super duper. And if I like you that.
1: enjoy it, great. Exactly.
0: 100%. He also weighed in on social media. He said, I suppose overall there are good and bad aspects to social media, and we have to take one with the other. How many people would I have not met or even distant relatives I would not likely be in contact with if not for social media. I totally agree with that is it worth all of the other garbage you sometimes have to wade through? It's a question for us all. So far, for me, the answer has been yes. As it relates just to photography, the same mostly applies. Personally, I try to keep my following followers number roughly equal and small. That helps limit some of the drama, but I assume I probably miss some good stuff too. <laughs> I often do not feel like I have anything worth sharing, but I do anyway. This is mostly because of these ideas of community and that you get out of something what you put in. Do you think about that? The follower, follower, Ratio, following, follower, followers, following? I don't. I wonder if I should investigate that. I like to keep it all small. Mm -hmm. I like to keep it all kind of small. And I like the idea of these relationships that emerge out of an aesthetic appreciation for another person's photography. Okay. One just quick shout out. uh, CB Adams wrote in. He's written to us a couple of times and he pointed us to his photo blog, which I want to point out even though it's hard to spell because his work is really good okay you know how on your keyboard it says qwerty okay q-w-e-r-t-y all right yes. well if you swap the t with a k so that it said quirky his <laughs> website is quirkyphotography.com. check it out it's really good he said keep out the great work i'm worried you might run out of meaningful topics as some photo podcasts have done but 20 down and many more to go it seems for you guys have we like run it. out of meaningful topics <laughs> <laughs> Never Does it's not going to happen. It's not gonna happen. Nope. Nope. Okay, good. Trevely. Oh, I was we so love. glad I got to meet him. Oh, what a, a guy. guy. He what a great is email. The, What would you say? He's the social media voice of the dark room, I guess is what we'd yeah. say. Great okay. photographer. Trev is an amazing photographer. Guys, go to Trev Lee on Instagram and look at the black and white stuff he has been posting. My golly, it's good. Yeah. Incredible. So at first he listen, he blows some smoke about how great we are. All right. I'm gonna skip that part. But he said, uh, I really enjoyed the part of episode 20 about social media and our relationship with it. This is a topic I think about often. Social media is a huge part of my job with the darkroom. So I spend a lot of time on social media, but I have tried very hard to limit my personal time on it. One, mainly because I want to be present with my wife and daughter rather than be glued to my phone. And two, I just feel like it actually sucks the creativity out of me. There are photographers' work I enjoy seeing, but it's more about the story they're telling rather than the photo itself. I have been setting limits on my social media. Wow. I can only see work social media during work hours, and I have a 30-minute daily allowance for my personal life, which has made me more present, not just for life, but also documenting it. Isn't that interesting? That's so like good. really setting so a smart. rule for yourself. Yep. It is really smart. Okay, I'm going to skip ahead. David Wells wrote about point-and-shoots. He wrote about one I've never heard of. He said, my point-and-shoot is a Ricoh FF-3AF. Did you see Did he this he make thing? that up?
1: I've never even heard of I it. I mean,
0: he might have made it up. This could be Photoshopped. Okay, I want to say this camera is incredibly ugly. I mean, this is one of the ugliest cameras I've ever seen. But then he added some of his photos, and damn, that lens. Nice. He said he got it for $4.99 at a thrift store. <laughs> it has goodness. a 35 millimeter f3.2 Rickonon lens. It has manual flash. It also lets you manually choose between 25, 64, 100, 400, 1000 1, ASA. Feels solid in the hand. Has a style from the 80s, meaning it's ugly. He said <laughs> the first roll I shot showed the camera had light leaks, which he fixed in a roughshod way by putting duct tape over the window. This Love is that. a very nice camera. So thank you, David, for the heads up. Love it. Tom scold said, if I didn't have the excellent Silverfast scanning software, I think I would never scan my own color film. I've never used Silverfast. <laughs> Me neither. Have you used that? No. The Negafix tool in Silverfast does a fabulous job with color conversions. Once I bring the files into Lightroom, all I need to do is adjust the white and black points and slightly tweak the contrast. No color grading required. Okay. Okay. I do use ViewScan to do my flatbed scanning. And I will say some of the presets for various film stocks have not been updated lately. But if I'm working with that, yeah, I get a decent looking color negative scan. But it is slow. And as you guys know, I've been trying to transition to digital camera scanning. Now, apparently, get this. Did you know about this? You can import a scanned negative into view scan and have it do the color conversion for you. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. So maybe that's a way, wh- I don't know, but that's a good tip on SilverFast. I would like to hear from other people about how they're doing their color negative scanning. And finally, Philip crena said, another great show responding to your question. My favorite point and shoot is the Canon Shot Max. What? You can find them on eBay in their original box for under 50 bucks. What? Design looks surprisingly clean for the era. Streamline, not boxy or chunky. Lens is decent. Retreats into the camera when not in use. Snappy autofocus. Warning light. My favorite feature is you can turn on flash manually to get fill-in flash shots during the day. This is like like, throw-it-in-the-bag camera. Holy cow, is that a good tip. Thank you to everyone who wrote. What about our mailbag, huh? We love our mailbag
1: shouldn't we have mailbag theme i think we're going to talk to fred about that we need a mailbag theme song
0: i'm just saying maybe he could sample the sounds of mail falling into a mail i I, fred's the artist yes by the way speaking of birthdays fred Corey's birthday is today today fred Corey's birthday is today yes it is quite a week yes it's been a week on we go that was the mailbag okay When I asked Gabe about what we should cover in these episodes, you know, guys, I always like a theme. I like a theme. I like a wraparound. And he sent me a list of topics that were so damn good, but they were all somewhat introspective, Hmm. which I think is kind of great. I think once again, we're going to be sort of looking at the way we shoot and how we approach photography. And I'm going to throw out these topics that Gabe pitched and hear from him. The first is... And this is one you've been talking about since the very beginning, which is second-guessing yourself. Talk about it.
1: Okay, there's a a number of cases where I am second-guessing myself. And the first one everyone's heard about every week is (laughs) taking cameras out of my house and going into the car and driving to the grocery store, or driving anywhere, I always take my cameras with me. And it's always like, oh, should I do this? Oh, but if something goes wrong, so it's always if something goes wrong, instead of just sticking with the one camera that I want to bring or stick with the film camera, I'm always second guessing like, oh my gosh, Mm. I I better bring a backup digital because that's not going to work. And I'm I'm really nervous. So there's a lot of that. And there's a lot of second guessing instead of just shooting like something i see you do which is fantastic is you just shoot you just yeah. go, you'll go and shoot and i am like i have all these things going in my head before i shoot instead of just taking out the camera and shooting and, and get rid of all those things so there's a lot of second guessing in that world there's second guessing when i actually sometimes do portraits i mean i know what i like mm. but i'm like oh i better get i better do some backup it's this backup thing i want to get rid of
0: yeah, <laughs> this, but let me ask you this, yes. okay? Because I, I mean, I've complimented you a lot, but I'm never going to stop doing that because you're so damn good. <laughs> so, I mean, the work that comes out of your process is really good, particularly, I mean, you're talking about portraiture. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, judging from what you've been posting over the last few weeks, you've got to be pretty happy with the results you've been getting in portrait photography. So, do you feel like you need to change your working methods? in order to streamline that process what do you think well i i definitely think i
1: would love to stick with film but and what happens is then i go back to digital or i go to digital and i go oh, i wish i got that on film you know there's something mm. about film that obviously we all love and our listeners love but i wish i could just instead of second guessing just shoot everything on film I'm always happier yeah. with the stuff I get on film. I mean, I guess for fashion week, it was important that I have digital, but I would prefer to shoot film all the time. That would be it.
0: Yeah, I, uh, the way I approach it is, I mean, this goes all the way back to when I was taking uh, photography classes at summer camp when I was eight. One thing that my teacher impressed upon us was, film is the cheapest thing. Film is the cheapest part of the process. The cameras are expensive, you know. printing can be expensive. Film is the cheap part. Right. So never hesitate. Take it. You know, the one way in which I do kind of, I'm excessively prepared is if the number on the frame counter of the camera that I'm bringing along is anywhere past ten, I will bring an extra roll of film. Yeah. Because I never want to be in that circumstance where I don't have an extra roll of film. Right. But I will overshoot. Mm-hmm. I'll overshoot. I don't bracket per se, but sometimes if I'm playing around with depth of field or I'm you know, I'm shooting a landscape and it's a very bright sun and I'm worried about shadow detail. I'll try tinkering a little bit, but I always overshoot because God forbid you get in there and you have all of your highlights are blown out or all of your shadow right. detail is gone and there's no way to right. get it back. So I always try and approach it that way. I do try to be loose, you know? I do try to kind of just spray you know, and treat it with the same sort of looseness that we love about shooting digital. And that's where the great pictures come from. That's where the great, but you're absolutely right. It's like, if you could just continue shooting, it's
1: like sometimes those moments in between of what you're planning, those are the best shots ever. So that's sort of the thing that I always encourage people. And I just have to do more myself. It's like really just go out there and shoot. You're going to get, there's going to be some great ones you'll
0: be surprised at. The other thing, and its I was talking to my brother about this when he took black and white film to Disney World, like, you have a high-def color digital camera in your pocket, so you're never going to completely miss out on some moment, right? Right? You're always going to have that as a backup. the I mean, I got the iPhone 12, and that camera is insanely good, right. and so... On the rare occasion where I run out of film or I somehow have left the house without a camera, I don't miss out on the image. But I do have that reaction you just described, which is that if it's a digital image, I don't feel as good about it. Yeah. I feel like it's cheating. It doesn't feel exciting to me. There's this sort of inherent flatness to those images that I don't enjoy as much. You know, I mentioned this on Instagram a couple of months ago. There is this hiking trail up behind my house that leads to the Briar Summit like nature preserve or something. I don't know what it's called, but it's got a 270-degree view of Los Angeles. It's so beautiful. You can see everywhere from downtown to the ocean, the Hollywood sign, Griffith Park Observatory, Universal Studios, you, everything. You see everything. And I hike up there at sunset, I would say four or five nights a week. Wow. Just because it's so beautiful up there. And every time I go, I bring a camera. Even though I have obsessively documented this and even like started taking self portraits up there just to experiment with like different looks and stuff I always have a camera the one time I didn't bring a camera somebody had brought like a white lounge chair up to the top of the hill and it looked so amazing and I only had my digital camera and so I took some shots which I like but oh my god it was killing me like this chair On this summit, a raid against this magnificent landscape was so arresting that I really wished I had a film camera. And by the way, the chair disappeared. I went back the next night and the chair (laughs) had disappeared. Last night, took the Alpa, loaded with Cinestill 800T, given to me by Andre Dominguez. So I had my ideal setup. I had a cool film stock and my favorite camera with my favorite lens. A little sofa appeared up there. What's going on up there? <laughs> a sofa was up there. A little, like, love seat, actually. A little two-seat love seat. I went up there. I had the 50-millimeter lens, but I also brought along my crazy Venus Optics Ultra Wide, which is something like a 5-millimeter or 10-millimeter lens. So I did these wide-angle things. I was so excited. Documented it. But it was all about, like, preparation, like being out there with the gear I like. Right. Right. Yeah. And you just did so. it.
1: You just went and shot. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, as, as long as you're... And the other thing is like, you know, something I've spoken about to Trev Lee is, you know, I'm also sometimes second guessing is not bringing my camera because you know what? It's going to be too dark. It's going to be uh, too dark and I'm not going to be able to take pictures. It's going to be a bar. It's going to be someone's house and that on and, on. and he's like, you got to load with 3200. Just try it. Yeah, He goes, just try yeah. it. You've got your like, it's going to stay steady.
0: And, uh, you know. I've started using that stock more, and it's very easy to develop. By the way, all Never you have to do is double it. the processing time. I double the processing time in DF ninety six, and I get great results. Wow! And it's so much fun. You know that is apparently what Jeff Bridges now uses in his wide lux for set photography. Okay, that makes sense
1: now. Now I understand it. I couldn't understand right. how he's getting those shots.
0: Yeah, how does he get those incredible shots? Because of course, sometimes there's like studio lighting. Because it's the set is lit, but when he's backstage and he gets those black blacks and you know that wonderful contrast grain, he almost entirely shoots thirty two hundred now. Yeah. So I'm going to start experimenting with it more. You can also, you know, you can push XP two. You can shoot XP two at sixteen hundred. Take it to your one hour lab. That is an incredible film. Wow. Incredible latitude on that thing. So yes, I think it is about putting yourself in a frame of mind where you can be free and you can try stuff and you're not so self-critical. Absolutely. But I don't want to mess with your process like I said cuz you're so damn good. I
1: still now you know what I appreciate it but I I second guess absolutely every shot and every portrait and I just sort of have to go back and forth and a lot of times what happens is what happened over the last few days I went back, you know, to some shots that I completely missed like cuz I was mm. so busy saying oh these aren't right, these aren't right and then I posted a couple And so I, you know, I sometimes grow to like them. So, you know, it's like anything. That's the
0: other thing about overshooting with film. You know, there's a tendency with digital, if you've taken 300 shots, to do a cull, like the moment you get home. And it's like, I got to delete 100 of these, which is absurd. Why do you have to delete 100 of these? Your film shots are never deleted. No. They're never gone. Right. If you go back and look at a negative that you ignored the first time around and suddenly go, hey, wait a second, there's something interesting going on there. It's there. Right. So, yeah, I think it is about being loose. Now, this sort of dovetails with the other thing that you were alluding to earlier, just getting out and experimenting. So you're now, you have this backyard setup, which is like a little mini studio. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how you came to do that?
1: Yes. So I, you know, obviously what we do, we're around a lot of shoots and gallery shoots for our shows and actors, and 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 a lot of the time we get to work and see these amazing photographers that come and cover our actors or anything yeah. like that. And I sort of, you know, there's this lot of these temporary setups, or these, you know, either a large tent or you know, a large tent on the beach you know sort of a black tent sort of a black background yeah. on and on. And so I really love sort of that portrait on the edge of the light. So in a doorway coming out, you know, you get that beautiful beautiful light. And yeah. so I went and got one of those tents, but it's they're not for photography, they're actually for like outdoor soccer games or anything like that, but I got one and they're I mean, you've seen how much the photography ones are. <laughs> they're very very expensive. Uh, yeah. this is just for like, you know, where you the players are under the tent and it, but you can get them sided for events so like you know a wedding or anything like that these smaller tents so I got a smaller one with black backdrops and so it's you know perfect and then I have this uh, flash unit the Godox six hundred and the three hundred and it's something that I have to experiment with so. You know, when I did test shots with it, it's really me experimenting. I have mm. the I have the triggers, I have the light, but I'm still figuring out what the feel I want. And there's nine million and fifty YouTube videos on this. Oh, and, for sure. And so it gets very, very confusing. But it's like I'm excited to try that. So
0: how did you select that particular equipment? That lighting setup, how did you arrive I t- Some at that?
1: friends that use it in studio. Some people I observed using it during, you know, shoots of our actors, you know, in different years. And then there was a couple of, a couple of videos on YouTube that I that I watched, and I really liked that equipment. And, of course, I talked to the guys at B&H.
0: Right. They're so, very helpful. when you say that you're experimenting, is this, are you putting your family to work as models? No, no, you, it's, how, what's it's, the it's all, like? you
1: know, friends, actors, and... I will call them up and say come on over. And great. uh they've been it's it's been great. So I'm just sort of at the beginning stages of that, but I'm I'm very excited.
0: And you're using the digital camera for this because you're kind of proofing. I'm right? I'm using Kinda?
1: I'm using a digital camera, you know why? Because I'm second guessing using a film camera. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. So in my mind, it's like, okay, if I don't know the setting, this is the other problem of second guessing, is if I don't know the exact settings I'm supposed to be using, I'm not going to do it. Why? I don't know, because you should do it. So then you learn what the settings are. So do I leave it at F8 and use my flash? And, you know, it's very funny because like, you know, I love people in our film community and people, beers and cameras and darkroom and on and on. Because some of them are so, they know their stuff. So it's fascinating how they help. And it's like, you know, Brandon, who we've talked about a million times, Brandon Stedman, he'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, you just do this. Like, it's yeah. like, it's right. so casual. It's like, so that's sort of where I'm, I'm at. And I need, I love to be able to pick up a film camera and a flash and just do it, which I'm
0: working on. I like that you're self-educating. It's I'm kind trying. of cool. You're I'm taking trying. yourself to school. I like it. I am trying. But I think you should have a loaded film camera there. Yeah. Even if it's not the principal thing you're yeah, shooting. With. Absolutely. And just squeeze off a few and then, you know, just do two or three just yep. to compare yep. even. Cuz sometimes cool things happen. I always think about. I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast before. When I bought my Polaroid uh, 195, right. which I know is a camera you have and love as well. It's a pack film Polaroid. And I had just started to do that thing where you reclaim the negative from FP-100C. So I did this hike, the Fryman Canyon hike, which is the next canyon over from where I am. And there was this one spot that I love to shoot at sunset because... People would be there taking selfies or they would be just watching the sunset and these silhouettes would happen. It was so beautiful. And so I was up there with my FP-100C basically shooting directly into the sun. And I had never used this camera before. It was my first time out with it. And so I took a couple of shots and I set the camera incorrectly. I had set the, I guess, the ISO. I had set... To 3,000 maybe instead? No, not in been. Yeah, it must have been that. I set it to 3,000 instead of uh, 100. So there was way too little light, okay? And so I was tempted just to throw these shots away as soon as I realized it, but I peeled one. And I got one of the most amazing photos I've ever taken. Oh, wow. It is an entirely black frame. It's like this golden black. And then there is a little keyhole kind of in the lower right corner of the frame that's where these two women are kind of taking selfies of themselves. It is so bizarre and strange. Wow. Wow. And it is entirely wrong. Like the shot I was going for was I wanted all the sun and all the trees and stuff, but because it was stopped so far down, I got just this keyhole and it is so damn cool. So like, opening yourself up to interesting failures be free you know be free my friends yeah, yes it is it's the hardest thing to do i mean i was going to ask you this like i'm sure that this this probably has analogous situations when you find yourself on a sound stage and you're at take 6 and you're wondering should i ask the director for one more okay so this is this is
1: i was just going to say this the thing about that and I think that that's what spills over into my photography is that you and I are so used to being responsible for Mm. a budget and you know the budgets are huge and you try not to think about that and you want to stay on time and on and on and get this and you know do you have time for one more on and on so when I'm out there you know going to do photography, I'm like, oh my God, I got to make sure everything's right, which is not true. I've just got to yeah. go out and shoot and just enjoy it. And that's it. Instead of like worrying about, you know, am I going to get everything perfect in the amount of time I need? I, I, have I to understand it, it though, because
0: yeah. it is a set. Yeah. It is a set and you're accustomed to exercising your creativity within these parameters, right? There's time pressure, there's money pressure. There's also the thing of like not wanting If you're working with a model or even a friend, you don't want to overstay your welcome. You don't want to break into a sweat because you realize you're not doing it the way you want to. You don't want them to feel self-conscious. So we're like, we're accustomed to being hosts. Right. In addition, that's a big part of the producer job. So I totally get it. Yep. But it's obviously much easier for me because I don't do as much portrait photography as you do. Like, the building will wait on me. Are you sure? The plant will wait most of the time. So, yeah, this sort of dovetails with, okay, not being afraid to take chances. I mean, you talked about, like, your experience at Fashion Week with The Flash. yeah, And how that totally bailed you out. And you had no (laughs) idea what you were going to get. I didn't know what I was doing, and it bailed me out.
1: And then the fact that I put the flash in my bag before I left Los Angeles is amazing to me. Because
0: it's like, oh, do I need it? Do I really need it? And I just say, hey, I'll but just bring I it. what I love so much about that story is not just that it bailed you out for Fashion Week, but that suddenly this idea of shooting with on-camera flash is something that has like spun you in an entirely new and exciting creative direction that I don't think would have happened otherwise. No, never. Never. Very excited like, about that. Like, Yeah. It is cool when those accidents occur, and suddenly you realize, "Oh no, this is not an accident. This is a road." Right,
1: right. And it then, and then to... here's something else. Sorry. The the other thing is is that, you know, when you start going down that road, there's so many things to learn. And you know one thing that Phil at at Leica recommended this modifier, like he just sent me. Oh, why don't you try this thing? It clips onto the What's camera. What's a modifier? You know to change the light, so to so, so it sort of you know will, you know you can you know, think of a scrim or think of oh, something okay. that'll you know something that'll diffuse the light. So so that's the word i was looking for so you know it's it's just this cool thing you put on the hot flash you put on this sort of dome there's a million different makes of it this one happens to be magnetic and it's very cool it just snaps on your camera and it just gives a sort of beautiful light you know just that you if you need in a pinch and it's not as harsh as the other now I loved the harshness at, at the Met Gala party because it just yeah. like seemed like those old, you know, 50s, you know, bright flash bulb things. But you can get sort of a more intimate feel with some of these modifiers that you put on. So that was fun. I learned more about that.
0: That is so damn cool. This is also something, I mean, hearing you talk about it, this is something I never, ever do. Right. I mean, I don't really like to shoot with flash at all. But if I do, I want that kind of Ouija Yeah you know, on-camera, photojournalistic, high-contrast, black-and-white look that you're talking about. I'm not looking for anything naturalistic. And then if I'm doing portraits, like if I'm doing a portrait session for a friend of mine who wants headshots or something, I'm always going to do it with natural light in the backyard. I'm going to pray for a slightly cloudy day. Right. Because I don't even want to put up one of those umbrellas or scrims or something. And so I'll keep moving around looking for the place where the light is most favorable because... I've never done anything like a studio setup, or even like a separate flash on a what is right. it? Like a slave on a tripod or stuff like I've never but done. The anything triggers like that. or anything? Yeah, with well, the mean, trigger and stuff.
1: Yeah, these people like when you go to these shoots and you've been to many, you go to these photography shoots, especially you know they'll set up on another sound stage and you go over and right. check on them in between takes, and it's like the setup is so automatic and they get these beautiful, crisp, clean yeah. shots, which I will barely understand and they have you know all the assistants and it's who know everything about it but i'm fascinated with that and i'm also fascinated i want to get to the film version of this i want to figure out how to do that with the cameras and and look at avidon and i mean the roloflex and flash and like it's just amazing to
0: me you know you're reminding me of something else too this is a little bit of a side road but like i'm looking at my fridge full of film and I have, you know, 100 packs of pack film, which is, you know, vintage 2017. So it really is getting to the point where I got to shoot this. When we're talking about not being afraid to take chances and we're talking about being willing to experiment, I got to shoot that film. You got to shoot that film. I got to shoot that film. I found myself like giving away packs of this film to artists that I like now. Yeah. Some of the artists we've even interviewed mm-hmm. on our show. I've given away some pack film because I want them to be able to make it, but like I got this for a reason. I got it to shoot it. Yeah. Like I don't want to be afraid to shoot with that stuff. And I don't want to keep saving it for a rainy no, you day. You got to shoot it. You got to shoot it. You know, it. we talked about like open that film night, you right, know, and right. I really think we should make that a thing. Like we and we should force each other Absolutely. to like dig out the like most treasured film you've got, and let's go to somewhere interesting and shoot it, because otherwise it is eventually going to dry out and go bad, or right. there'll be color shifts and stuff, which also can be interesting. But right. like, why not use it now? Yep, absolutely. I'm trying to talk myself into it. Do it. it. You're going to do it. This leads to not getting discouraged when you shoot a new camera, a new film. Yeah. How do you avoid getting discouraged?
1: Okay, that that's sort of a a tough one because. A lot of cameras are so hyped up. Okay, there's tons mm. and tons of cameras, and Trev Lee is testing out my Contax T2, which, as everyone knows, I don't get along with for some reason. <laughs> so what happens is I take that camera and I load it up with film, and I'll shoot portraits or I'll shoot something and I'll hate it, and then I'll and then I put it on the on the shelf and go, oh, I'm so angry right. at this camera, as if it's the camera's fault, and um, <laughs> I will take it out again a few months later and then shoot and then go. I just there's something about this camera that that makes me crazy or in the case of the Hasselblad where I just if the camera just wasn't working and I just couldn't figure out what was going on and it turned out the backs were a problem like I had two bad backs Ah. and we brought it to get repaired and it and it they work great now but it was that kind of thing where it's it's like if that doesn't work I feel like you know I just I get so frustrated. And I almost put the camera down and I just gotta, you know, you just gotta go past it and just know these are old cameras. <laughs> they need tricky, a little love. It is
0: right? It's, it's tricky because on one hand, I'm thinking about the analogy with, for example, a musical instrument, right. right? Where like people favor certain guitars or certain pianos, right? And do you know the story of Keith Jarrett's Cone concert? Have we talked about this on the show? No. I love this story. Okay, I'm going to just shorthand this. I don't know anything about music, but I heard this story on actually my friend Jeremy's podcast, and it kind of blew my mind. Didn't I Keith recommend Jarrett... this
1: album? You found the album, and then you didn't you just get it?
0: Am I crazy? Yeah, I just got yeah. it. Okay, good. Okay, so Keith Jarrett, incredibly talented and notoriously perfectionistic jazz pianist. And whenever he would do a concert appearance, he had all of these requirements. It has to be this piano. It has to be, it has to have been tuned by this piano tuner. It has to be in this sort of a concert hall. It has to be this, 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 and this, and this. A 17-year-old concert promoter booked him into a concert hall in Cologne, you know, Cologne, Germany, right? And the night that he showed up, it was a rainy night, and she had the wrong piano. And it was not a good piano. It was not the piano he had asked for. It was not tuned to his specifications. It had a sticky pedal, and the action on the keys was not... And Jarrett was like, I'm leaving. Oh, wow. And she ran after him in a rainstorm, like chased him down to the car, and rapped on the window, and just pleaded with him. This 17-year-old girl just pleaded with him. He, she said, I know it's not what you want. Please, just, you know, 300 people have paid they bought tickets, they really want to see you, and really just threw herself on his mercy. And so he very, very reluctantly and crankily, on an empty stomach, agreed to go in and play the concert. Okay? He goes in and he plays the concert of his life. He plays a concert that is so extraordinary that the recording of it Becomes one of the best selling jazz albums of all time. It is the best selling solo jazz piano recording of all time. It's a defining moment in this guy's artistic evolution. Why? Because he didn't have everything he wanted. He had to work extra hard at the keys to get sounds out of them. I knew that. And you none can hear time. To- isn't amazing. that amazing? It's an amazing sound. And story. you can hear him fighting with the instrument at times. You can hear him vocalizing, like, ah! at times, fighting with the instrument. And what comes out because of his crankiness, his anger, his frustration, is some other gear he didn't have before. This, I think, is the case with cameras sometimes. Absolutely, Maybe you feel like a TLR is not your jam. It slows you down. It's upside down. This is something Fred talked about, looking in the viewfinder of a Roloflex. It's upside down. How am I going to, what? It's upside down and backwards. I can't but you see the world in a different way and something new comes out of you. And isn't that exciting? So like, maybe it's okay to fight with your gear a little bit. Yeah. And see what happens, yep. you know? That's such a cool It's story. about not getting discouraged. Absolutely. Or channeling that energy. Absolutely. And just saying, I am not gonna let you beat me. I'm gonna power through, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm psyched. This was another thing you mentioned on your list, which I think is a good idea. And this is a way of reinforcing good habits, you said go out and ask an old friend to go shoot pictures with you. Yeah, don't be afraid of that. Okay, having a buddy. Do you do that? Yeah, and also, who cares
1: if they take pictures? Fred Corey, rock drummer of Cinderella, <laughs> like it's yes, you know he couldn't have been more enthusiastic to so take pictures. Sure, I'd love that. Yeah. Like so, he you know especially film. It's like such a cool thing and especially a friend that has never shot film it's like you know hand them a camera and say let's go shoot it doesn't matter what kind of camera it is it's the experience it's going out there it's sharing something with someone i think it's just an amazing thing i mean anyone going on a first date i'm just saying i might bring a camera
0: i I like to bring a polaroid sx70 for my friend or the date yeah you know because like, SX-70s are super cool. They're yeah. really easy to use. And you get to take the picture home with you. Mm-hmm. Like, and and listen, I'm obviously, if I'm going to the Huntington Gardens or I'm going to the Norton Simon or I'm going on a hike, I'm going to bring a camera. Oh, And absolutely. doesn't it make it a little extra bonus fun if the person that I'm with has a camera to play with too? Yep. You know, and like you said, they don't have to be an expert. They don't have to love the results. But almost without fail they're gonna get something they like. yeah. Something they like, and they're gonna get, maybe even like Fred did, get even more excited about analog photography as a result. But it is fun. I hear the guys on All Through a Lens, Eric and Vanya do this. They always go out and shoot these places together and they come back with entirely different results even wow. when they're shooting the same locations. And I think that's so neat. Yeah, You embolden each other to take chances. You know, you maybe see some part of the location that you wouldn't see otherwise. Oh, look around the back of this, there's a rusty bicycle and there's the light is so interesting here. And it is a good thing. It's one of the things that those kind of beers and cameras is meetups, you know, when there's a photo walk attached. Oh, it's so great. You're having
1: conversations about the cameras and and how you
0: shoot and how they shoot. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. These are all really good kind of like artists way kind of practices we're talking about (laughs) that are all about like, loosening yourself up and like staying in that great zone you know i have a tendency as a writer to be really tight you know like everything i'm so hard on myself you know and i feel i always get this image of like the proper grip on the wheel like just loose enough so that i can feel the road because if i'm gripping the wheel so tightly and i'm riding over rough terrain it will it will tear my hands off right 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 yep <laughs> you know and so yes it's good thing you mentioned, I love that you brought this up photographing elderly relatives. Oh
1: my gosh. I can go Is this on. Is something you've been doing? On. I can go on. Talk and on. about it. Yeah. So, my parents lived to their 90s, 95, mm. 98. And I photographed them. I interviewed them, which I cannot recommend enough. And just, it was, it's so great because you're sharing something with them. My dad used to love photography and, and and was the photographer for a school newspaper and stuff like that. So, you know, that was really fun. But there's so many, it's such a great way to connect with relatives, you know, aunts, uncles, grandparents. It's it's such a good thing because they'll love it. I mean, they'll love it. You just go there, you're visiting them, you're spending time with them, and then you're taking some pictures, which then you can show them on film, which is really, really fun.
0: Yeah. I really like that those are images that will endure. Yes. You know, that's the thing. If you go and you take a lot of iPhone shots of your 85-year-old grandmother, you know, blowing out the candles at her birth... Like, that's great. That'll be great, and you'll send it to her, and she'll like it, but where will that JPEG be in 25 years? Right. You know, and I I mean, I've said before, I always get, whether they like it or not, I get film cameras for new parents. So good. You know, because like... Take some shots that will stick around, that won't be lost to a hard disk crash. I did the same thing when my dad was in his late 70s. My dad was an incredible storyteller, and he had a tendency to make things up. So we never knew whether the stories were all entirely (laughs) true or not, but he never let the facts get in the way of a good story. And this actually started as an idea my brother had, and I kind of took off on it. I did a series of interviews with him over the last couple of years of his life where I just said, I want you to start when the first Jewish lungfish crawled out on land. Let's take it from there. <laughs> and I want to hear the whole story of our family. And I just got this all on tape. And I you know what I did, Gabe, is that I listened to a lot of interview podcasts to sort of just try and tune into oh, the so art smart. of interviewing. Yeah. And Mark Maron had a big impact on me at the time. I was listening to a lot of WTF and just how he guides an interview. Yeah. And the ways in which he sort of moves through somebody's life, like getting them to open up. And so I tried to sort of emulate that. And I got these incredible stories out of my dad that for all of his storytelling, I never heard before. So good. And then I also had the camera along to just take pictures, just to take a few stills. Yep. And so I get him gesturing or I get him reacting or laughing at something and it's just it's all this beautiful kind of snapshot of a moment in time Uh, the last interview i did the first interview i did with him was two hours and it only got us from the lungfish to 1970 right right i went back a year later and i did another two-hour interview with him yeah he died two weeks later oh my goodness yeah i mean i had no idea yeah I knew he was ill. I knew right. he wasn't doing great, right. but he could still, you know, he still could do a two-hour interview. Yeah. I hope I didn't kill him. <laughs> by I making don't think him so. do it. <laughs> but, oh my God, it was invaluable yeah. to get him to talk about, like, you know, how he felt about his life and stuff and to record those images of him and I, I don't mean to be morbid about this. But like when the time came to like sit down and like write the obituary right. and write the eulogy and stuff, I really felt that I knew my father in a way that I hadn't oh, before I did so all good. this stuff. That's so great. And I even talked about this in the eulogy. I said to everybody there, I said like, you should all be doing this. You yeah. should all be recording. 100%. Like interviews. Get this down. Like you're going to be so grateful that yep. you have it. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. and I just
1: remember my dad remembered... He remembers every so so ninety five. I uh, was talking to him and I recorded of uh, every office and every apartment address <gasps> he ever had. Oh, of remembered course. every That's single so one great. of them and where they were and on and on. And then we would have this game because I would I would say, uh, okay, so where's your office? And he'd tell him, and I said, how much did you pay for it? And he'd say something <laughs> like, he'd say. He'd say something like $6,000, and I'd say, Dad, that just sold for $8 million. <laughs> like, it's always wow. like that. It was oh always my like, God, that's I, so I, great. I spent
0: $8,000 on that apartment. Yeah. Yeah. I got so many incredible stories, one of which I actually hope to write up as a uh, as a feature. I've told you about yeah, this yeah, about yeah. my dad during the Cuban Love Missile it. Crisis. Yep. This incredible story he told me that, for some reason, he had <laughs> never told me before. Um, but more than that, more than just the great stories, like the insight. Yes, You know, and getting and getting
1: portraits and getting shots and getting stuff like that is just a very special thing. And I think you will be so thankful, uh, especially now. It's like, go get that stuff done because you'll have those pictures forever. Yeah.
0: Any other sort of introspective stuff you've been thinking about, about your relationship to photography recently?
1: You know, I just think it's you know, what was mentioned, what you guys, what you said, what you guys, you know, you and that other guy, you, um, you and my other personality. Yeah. You and my other personality. <laughs> it's, it's about taking those chances and just doing it. And I think overthinking me is not a good thing. I mean, I just got to grab the camera and go shoot because I used to do it all the time. Like I never had, I never thought about it. You know, I just go take a camera and go out and this was years and years ago. And, uh, yeah. Now I'm getting rid of that overthinky thing, and then I'm going to go shoot, and I will just do it. I'm very excited about I this. I find
0: that you know, I can stimulate myself by picking a different part of the city that I've never been to, but that's hard because I've lived here a long time. Right. Or I can just pick up the camera that has dust on it. It's really <laughs> a rule. I look at yep. the shelf, and if there's a camera with dust on it, I load it up and take it out. Right. Because like something interesting is going to happen. You know, I was just noticing the Roloflex has a bit of dust on it. I haven't shot with a TLR probably in a couple of years. You got to do it. I am going to do that. I'm going to do it. Yep. This leads me to, all right, new acquisitions. Any new acquisitions? Something you have your eye on? What are you looking at?
1: Oh, what I'm looking at. That's a whole what
0: other What are you thing. looking at? Let's talk about what you're... Well, do you have any new gear inbound other than the flash equipment and stuff? No, no. I, just I have
1: the flash, and the most recent thing that I have is a Canon EOS 3 film camera. Because I don't know what that is. What it's, is that? It's, a, it's an electronic film camera, and I've had the yeah. 5D, which is the digital. This is a film version. Not a film version. That's not That's right. right. Okay. But it's... Um, It's a Canon EOS, I have all the lenses, I have all these great lenses, and I'm going, I've only shot these on digital. Like, I've got to get a film Mm. version of this. So I, of course, people recommended the 1N, and much like my experience with the Olympus OM-1, I got two of them that were (laughs) DUDSs, and uh, it was dud central. (laughs) Um, mm. And then I looked online, and they said, "Yeah, there's a way to fix it. You got to fix the magnet inside; it'll be fine. The trigger oh, will be is fine." Just
0: the hit it on a table, yeah. Thing? It's
1: sort of you yeah. hit the thing, and you do the <gasps> magnet, yeah. So it worked fine. And then, of course, I brought it in somewhere, and they gave me an estimate of like nine billion dollars. And yeah, I said that was the end of that. But so I got the EOS three, and I loved it. I shot with it. I really, really wow. love that camera. Wow. Never
0: heard you talk about this at all. Nope. Okay. Nope. 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 I want to delve a bit. Kay. So this is one of those. It can be aperture priority, shutter priority, program mode, stuff. manual, yep. autofocus, if you yep. want it. But a film camera, yes. Film camera? Yeah. Huh. I had an EOS 5 for a while, mm-hmm. and I eventually got rid of it, and then I traded it for a T90, which I realized is a camera we've never talked about on this podcast, right. which I because I skipped over it by accident. Right. But it was the same kind of thing. It was Canon's... Before they went to the autofocus world, it was the FD mount right. camera That had program on it. I love that T ninety. But I got rid of it just before it broke. Right. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Just what you need. (laughs) Yeah. They have a legendary error that they show E E E after a while. It's a magnet thing. And it's the same thing. They tell you they there is there are YouTube videos that literally literally say to you, slam your T ninety on a counter (laughs) and then it'll like pop back to life. Oh boy. So, which uh, are there? Is there a particular lens you're enjoying using on this camera, or is it just the camera in general feels good? It's the camera in general. I mean, I love the
1: 100 2.8 macro lens, which is Ooh. a beautiful lens, and they're one of their L versions. And then I have the 35 millimeter Art lens from Sigma, which is just beautiful, just a beautiful, cool. beautiful, beautiful lens. But yeah, no, I'm j- I'm just enjoying it and and uh, getting used to it. But that's my acquisition. Other than the flash.
0: What about you? I did an impulse buy last night, Gabe. Oh no. I don't even know why this happened. What time of night was this? Would it surprise you to learn that it was after 11 o'clock at night? Oh, shocking.
1: (laughs) Shocking, because none of us buy things after 11 o'clock at night.
0: Here's the thing. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna just come out with this. I'm just coming out with it. I do sometimes buy cameras because they're attractive.
1: Oh, yes. You really like design. So that's, I, I understand sure that.
0: I do. Yep. I've talked about like the thing that first drew me to the rectiflex is its distinctive angled pentaprism and its extraordinarily beautiful typography in the logo. <laughs> <laughs> and the Rolleiflex SL35, which eventually was supplanted by the SL350, I mainly love, I mean, that camera is a beautiful lens, right. but I mainly love it because it's so beautiful. It is the most beautiful SLR. I think ever made <laughs> okay so i'm basically just saying i'm a, I'm foolish so one camera that i had always kind of had half an eye on which is going to surprise you gabe because i've never mentioned it on the podcast before yes is variously known as the Contax d or the pentacon not your pentacon right but the 35 millimeter pentacon often called the Pentagon FM. There are various variants. Have you seen this thing? Never. Never. It is a very nice looking <laughs> mid-50s. Right. All manual, no meter. Okay. Zeiss Icon mm-hmm. design. Mm-hmm. Okay. And made in East Germany. Interesting. Okay. And there were a number of variants of the Contax D. It is a well-liked camera. It actually bears a decided resemblance to the first 35mm SLR I ever used, which was a Practica. Except wow. the Praktica had the kind of chimney finder where you look down yeah. at a little rectangle of ground glass. This one has a proper peneprism, and it is pretty. Wow! And if you look at the Contax D, the typography of the word Contax is quite lovely. It has the <laughs> angled shutter release right. on the front, which is kind of cool. Anyway... There are several variants of the Contax D slash Pentacon. Mm-hmm. It was sold in a lot of countries under a lot of different names. Some places it was called the Hexacon. Oh, Some no. places it was called the Astroflex. Same camera, huh? And one of the rarest ones of all. <laughs> this is so dumb. <laughs> it's called the Console. Of course, the Console. C O N capital S O L console. Right. Why? Nobody knows. But, oh boy, does that look pretty. The console type on the front of this thing and the, the kind of tower logo, the Zeiss logo from those days, wasn't terribly expensive. Came with a biotar lens, 58 mm-hmm. millimeter, I believe, F2 or something like that. Yep. 58 millimeter, so a little on the long side, kind of yep. interesting. A seller in Bakersfield, California had one. Perfect. I really was hoping they had a brick-and-mortar store because, as you know, my son lives in Bakersfield, and so it would be great if I could go there, but they don't. But they do have a lot of cool cameras. So I bought this thing. It's going to be here on Saturday. That is very Why did I do this? For all the shallowest reasons, but I will tell you the non-shallow reason. The non-shallow reason is when I unloaded my Pentax Spotmatic F, I unloaded the only 42-millimeter lens mount camera in other words exact mount Pentax mount M42 screw mount whatever you want to call it the SLR mount right it's the only one I had so that cut off my access to all the amazing lenses there are more lenses for that mount than any other mount ever made wow so now I'm going to have an M42 camera and that'll let me experiment with some cool glass now do you know anything about how it takes
1: pictures other than being the prettiest camera in the world people say it's good (laughs)
0: <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, it's entirely mechanical. Right. There's really very little to talk mm-hmm. about. Right. People who have used okay. these cameras in their variants mm-hmm. say it's well made. Great. Let's see what happens. <laughs> the console has one other thing that makes it neat. On mm-hmm. the bottom is stamped in white <laughs> Germany USSR Occupied. How about wow. that? Wow. Wow. Made in occupied Germany. Yeah, very interesting. Right?
1: Wow. That is interesting.
0: Yep. Fascinating. Yeah. So, I have this new thing inbound. It's a console, and we're going to talk more about it. Love it. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Saturday. Well, it's so good. Maybe we'll go out and shoot this weekend. I'll bring that so baby. So good, along. absolutely. Guys, look where we are. Oh, my An goodness. hour has gone by. Oh my goodness. This was introspective, and I'm glad you took us this way. Oh, it's a well. good thing to think about. It was reflective and introspective, and I like it. There but we go. now it. Wait, I think... The most dramatic and exciting what? Yes, no, I think this is
1: the time. I was just getting excited. I'm just, you know... Shall I dive in?
0: (laughs) This is the best part of the podcast ever. We have been threatening for several episodes to unleash a contest upon the world, and that time is now! Ta-da! This is the first... Ever. I Dream of Cameras... Special It doesn't doesn't have a name. It would have been handy had we thought one up. We didn't think of
1: that before this.
0: Here's the contest and here's how you can win fabulous prizes. Gabe, should we tell them the fabulous prizes first and then what the contest methodology is? Yes. Okay. Okay. Four fabulous prizes. Go, Gabe. What's prize number one? Prize number one is this. (gasps) Look at that. Gabe is holding. What am I holding? A Minolta SR1, an excellent prize. 35 millimeter SLR with a detachable meter. This camera has been tested by me, Jeff Greenstein. So if it doesn't work, it comes you're with call no Jeff. guarantee, except <laughs> it does come with I no guarantee. I tested <laughs> it out. Right. Comes with no guarantee, but I put a battery in it and it works like a charm. It's beautiful, too, by yeah. the way. It is beautiful. This is the camera that preceded the SRT series. This is the SR and it is great. It has an excellent Rocor lens as well. You're going to love this thing. Gabe is modeling it. What is item number two, Gabe? Item number two is a brand new.
1: Brand new? Peak design, everyday carry messenger bag. Camera what? bag. Yes. Oh, yes. A it's camera brand new. bag? What and, are
0: those for? Uh,
1: those oh. are to hold your groceries and your cameras. Gabe um, is holding it up and it is brand it new. It is wrapped. It is wrapped. And that is prize Fantastic. number two. Fantastic. So that is another prize. Prize number three is from our dear yes. friends at the Darkroom Lab. It's a fifty dollar <gasps> gift card. Amazing. Oh. Thank my you, God. Phil and we Trev. Love we are the so room. appreciated and that you're taking part in this. And it's so exciting. So it's yes, a $50 gift card from them. And
0: our fourth prize is This is exciting. This is a Lomo action sampler in the original bubble pack. Oh, yeah. Okay? This was back when Lomo was this little scrappy startup, right? Right. It comes with the camera. And in case you don't know what the action sampler is, it has four lenses that it exposes. So you get four images on the same 35-millimeter frame. This is in the original bubble pack. This is at least 20 years old. It comes with two rolls of film and the instructions all in the original bubble pack. This has never been opened, never used. It is yours. It is brand new. It is NIB, as they say. But
1: wait a minute. For
0: wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. But what do they have to do, Jeff? Is it just
1: you? We take a number out of a hat or a name out of a hat?
0: No. Oh. No. No. There would be no skill involved. I see. Friends... You may have forgotten it because you think you're dealing with two experts in the photographic field. But Gabe and I come from comedy. We come from writing. So we are putting you guys to work. Here's what you have to do. You must compose a limerick (laughs) where the final word of the limerick is a camera brand. (laughs) Yes. 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 That's it.
1: So there'll be some rhyming involved, is what we're saying. There might be some rhyming. There is writing involved.
0: And rhyming. You may enter as many times as you like. We don't care. Email your entries to idreamofcameras at gmail.com. Our deadline is November 16th. I'm not sure why, but that's the deadline that came picked. And at the next podcast, after that, we will read our favorites and award these four fabulous prizes Absolutely. use your creativity very excited about this oh my god we've done it i can't it. wait we've to see it. what we've you guys actually, come up with uh announced it we've announced and i want to say something else to you guys mm-hmm. don't be slackers no these are great prizes and they're free they free, will be lovingly free. wrapped and shipped to you right by gabe and me right okay there may even be stickers. <laughs> you don't know. There may be some stickers There may in be there. stickers in there. Who knows what else would be in your prize package? But get in there. Work on it. Get inside your head. <laughs> write some limericks. Oh, my God. I cannot wait to see what you guys come up with. So fun. So much fun. This has been episode 21. Oh, my gosh. It's over. I've got so much to talk about we have so much more to talk about we love hearing from you guys as you know we are I dream of cameras on the Instagram Gabe is Gabe Sachs on the Instagram I am S Jeff Greenstein on the Instagram the S stands for Scott <laughs> I think somebody conjectured that it stood for six seven and sexy but no oh boy it stands for Scott uh, follow us and love us and of course as we said our email address is I dream of cameras at gmail.com I throw it to Gabe for the thank yous uh,
1: we have to thank the birthday boy Fred Corey,
0: Fred Corey, the rock
1: star and our musical director of our show and the amazing Keith Greenstein, who has given us an amazing look and continues to give oh, yes. us amazing looks. And I I think that's all we can say right now because it's that's very, we can say. something very exciting is coming up and we, uh, yes. we will talk about it very, very, very soon. Yes. And, keep um, us hard at work. It's, it's very fun. And, and last, thank you. I got to thank, you know, my friend Hillary Baca, in albuquerque who's amazing uh for her merch perch which was the scannenberg uncertainty principle shirt and i was so excited that she bought it and yeah. she sent a picture and it was it was a lot of fun but um you know very exciting remember we have pictures merch. yeah take some pictures Send, of merch. we
0: love seeing pictures of you guys using or wearing our sexy merch we would like to see that yes I won't say that it will influence the judges, but if your limerick includes a picture of you with an I Dream of Cameras coffee cup, as we say, couldn't height. It couldn't height. <laughs> well All done. right, take us out of here, Gabe.
1: Thank you, everyone. Please, as we said earlier, go ask a friend to go shoot some pictures. It's so much fun. Get Have out there. Blast. It's fall
0: and It's beautiful.
1: Exactly. Enjoy, everyone. See you next episode.